Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number three of our program. Thank you very much for being with us. I'm Bill Shanks here in Wakefrost today. Russ Brown back in Macon at World Headquarters. Phone lines are open at area code 478-646-3776-646-ESPN. We'd love to hear your thoughts as we talk a little bit about the Bravos, a little bit about the – talking about Quinn Snyder and his – New job with the Atlanta Hawks. Will that work out for the Hawks? What are your thoughts on that? We can continue to talk on the Jalen Carter issue a little bit and whether you think uh, he will fall in the draft. And if you were in charge of an NFL team, would you take Jalen Carter? Or would the issues at hand bother you a little bit? Plenty of good topics on the rundown, and of course, it's the throwing of the bus Thursday. Your chance to throw someone in the sports world under the bus. A couple hours ago, I threw O.J. Simpson under the bus. He's now, When's he going to be hired by Court TV? I mean, he, he was asked on Twitter what his thoughts were about this Murdahl trial in South Carolina, and he had this big, long answer, like a four-minute answer, and he had the audacity to say, I don't know why anybody would think I'm a expert in this well you got charged for murder you idiot he is crazy he's just you know bat you know what crazy that's for sure by the way chad on twitter don't forget covid gave us tiger king and air fryers you know i'll never forget so i'll blame you russ you you said i think you had watched the first hadn't you oh the tiger king yeah yeah that's oh, phenomenal television <laughs> phenomenal television so I said, okay, one Saturday morning I woke up. I said, I ain't got a thing to do, nothing to do. Couldn't really go anywhere. It was like one of the early Saturdays of the of the pandemic. I sat there all day and watched that damn show. Cussing Russ the whole time, like, what? I'm going to kill him. And, and it was like, what the hell am I watching? I think I watched the whole thing. Whew. By By like the last episode or so, I'm like, this is too much here. This guy's a freakazoid. Is he still in prison? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He ain't coming out anytime soon, is he? No, I don't think so. I think the 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 scariest thing to me about the whole thing is that oh, what was, I can't even think of his name now. Joe something ran for governor of Oklahoma, and one in five people that voted voted for him. He got twenty percent of the vote. Now, who was that? Which one was that? The, uh, Joe, oh, gosh, the the blonde-haired guy. I can't even think of his name now. The one in prison? Yeah. He ran for governor? Of Oklahoma and got 20% of the vote. <laughs> Oklahoma, where the wind comes running through their way. Wow. Yeah. 20% of the vote for someone in prison. That means if five people walked into a room in Oklahoma, one of them voted for that guy. Well, they, they did elect a dead person in Pennsylvania. I'm not talking about their senator, not yet at least. Uh, they, I think there was a dead person elected to Congress this year or last year, wasn't there? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Why in the hell would somebody vote for someone who's dead? They didn't know. Why in the hell would someone be stupid enough to not know? <laughs> well, you know, it's what, remember the uh, Eddie Murphy movie, Distinguished Gentleman? I don't know if I saw that one or not. 
Well, the the premise was in that one. Uh, oh gosh, Eddie Murphy and that guy that always plays a Southern lawyer in the in the nineties. I can't remember. His oh, name. Fred Thompson. Yeah, yeah, Fred Thompson was in it. That's it. Yep. Okay. Um, no, so the premise was that this guy had been a senator somewhere in Florida for like thirty some odd years, and his name was Jeff Johnson, and the Eddie Murphy's character's middle name was Jeff, and his last name was Johnson. So he just never put his face out there and got elected. Oh wow! Yeah, because about that. Yeah, just name recognition. Wow. Yeah, Fred Thompson was actually a lawyer, Russ. That's right. And he, uh, his first movie role was a case he was involved in that was turned into a movie uh, called Marie. It was about a scandal in Tennessee, and and I'm not reading this from I actually know because I remember uh, reading about Fred before he died a few years ago because he ran for president like in what twelve maybe 2012 I think. And because he was a Watergate lawyer back fifty years ago, wow, yeah, he had to create. And then he was in he was in Die Hard two, right? I mean, he had a long list of movie credits by the time he was finished with movies. And he did those commercials about reverse mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Forever, boy. When you watch spring training games, you see people come in. I actually uh, watching the. Um, Watching the Diamondbacks and Dodgers, Jesse Biddle. Remember him, Russ? Yep. He's in the game right now, and he just had a pitch called a ball. He came set, and I don't know whether the clock got him, but he he stopped, and when he did, the umpire stepped up front and said, no, that's a ball. Turned around and said 1-0 to the scoreboard operator. And then Jesse threw another ball. So, I'm telling you, the month of April is not going to have the prettiest baseball in the world. It's going to be rough. Well, I'm hoping. I mean, obviously, you know, I know ball players can be stubborn sometimes, but I'm hoping that the month of March they get it ironed out. I mean, baseball has been pretty clear that this these are hard and fast rules. So, yeah. You know, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just when we do get to April, if that happens to pitchers, I'm not going to feel sorry for them. You had you, that's what March was for. Right, and I think they're right in trying to be very, very strict about it. They should. I mean, they they really should. I mean, if that was the call to make the other day on Saturday, they should have made it. Stupid, but I still think the eight, you know, well, what eight seconds? You got to be watching the, the uh, pitcher. Now I'm watching batters to see if they're watching and an alert to the pitcher, which is stupid. Is the do they have the clock on TV? No. Okay, that's good. See, that's good. I, I don't think I can watch that. That 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 was part of my angst on Monday. Well, no, they do have the clock on there. No, they do. They have, Russ, they have a little small score bug in the bottom right corner, and below the count, they have the, uh, yeah, they sure do. Let's see if they started up. Yep, 20 seconds. There's a runner on base. There's 20 seconds. Yeah. No, I don't want that during the regular season. I, that's something I do not want. I do not think that's necessary. It's okay to let fans get a little feel of it right now, but do we really want a clock on a baseball scoreboard, Russ? No, I, absolutely, I don't. Absolutely not. And, and, and here's the thing, and I keep going back to this. You watch a college baseball game, and college baseball has been doing this for three seasons now. You, you watch a college baseball game, 
And most of those broadcasts, or at least the ones I watch, I've never seen a clock on there, and you don't even notice it. Uh, every once in a while, when there is a violation and the umpire comes out and calls a ball or a strike, then you're reminded that they're on a clock, but you never actually see it. And if there's ne- in the games that I've watched, if there's never a violation called, I don't even think about the fact that there's a pitch clock. See, now that I've re- realized there is a clock on there, I'm watching it all the time. Mm-hmm. See, and, and that's, that's – I don't want that. I, I was, I, I've watched a little bit of a game – or saw some video, I should say, from a game. Uh, it was the very first one with Seattle. And right there behind the home plate was this giant clock. And every, yeah. he'd catch the ball in 15. And, I mean, I watched this guy throw three pitches in about 35 seconds. And I gave me – I, it kind of gave me anxiety. I'm like, hey, yeah. take a deep breath, man. Yeah. Well, and because of the – viewpoint that Bally Sports has on the Braves telecast from high above looking down, I think we'll be able to see the clock, don't you? I think so, yeah. But Ugh, but I don't see want that. And, and and listening to the games on you know, obviously Ben and Joe would would you you have to talk about the new rules and it's gonna be a topic of conversation, but I'm hoping as we get into the regular season when you're you know, taking the game on radio, you're not going to see that. And unless there's a violation, you're just not going to know it. So that's, you know, I, I, just even more reason for me <laughs> to take the games on, on radio versus TV. Yeah, no, if this clock's going to be on all these scorebooks, because wh- where it is, Russ, so you've got the score of the game on the left. In the middle, they've got the inning. They've got the diamond with the, you know, who's on, how many outs there are. Then the, on the right side, they've got a count at the top right, followed by below the the clock. And I, I don't want to – I mean, I, again, I get doing it in spring training, but that's where the pitch count usually is on the score bug. And I don't want that on there. Yeah, I tell you, the superstations.com and all of our frequencies, you can listen to the games all year long because I would think a lot of people are going to – join us and say they do not want to see a clock they understand the need for it they understand it's there now part of the game there's no question about that but don't show it to us why would you want to see it that mean again to me that's part of baseball's uniqueness is it's never had a clock yeah well that's gone now there, there's no doubt about it and uh to the audience i will give you a 100 percent guarantee if you digest the braves game on the superstations i promise you the entirety of the season, all 162 games, you will never see a clock. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. And I don't think Joe Simpson's going to be talking about it anytime <laughs> And I seriously doubt Ben's going to be going 10, 9, yeah. 8. I don't, I don't think you're going to get any of that. So Yeah, it's such a shame that Chip's gone. All that free dead air, he could have just counted down the clock. Well, that, well, that's the thing. They cut out a lot of that dead air. So <laughs> those Cardinals fans are going to love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll never think he never talks. Braves fans used to say all the time he would go for about a minute and a half not talking. He never does that. Well, hell, no wonder. He's got to call the three pitches in a minute and a half. <laughs> That's right. you got another batter coming up every 45 seconds. <laughs> Man. Another note from the combine. Georgia outside linebacker Robert Bill unofficially clocked in at 4.58 in his first 40-yard dash. Pretty good. And Bill's one of those players now that is not looked at as a – Big-time prospect from Georgia. But you know what? A player like that, here, here's here's something I think that you have to watch out for with someone like that. I mean, Robert Beal had a uh, 
I mean, he was decent. He was not a star. I, heck, one time I think he was getting ready to leave. I thought he had left one time. As a matter of fact, I took him off my depth chart. And so he got pretty good playing time, probably more snaps this past year than he had in his other years at Georgia, And but never really looked at as a huge NFL prospect. You know, Russ, those are the kind of players that will still get a bump because of the fact they played at the University of Georgia. I mean, teams are interested in those kind of players who are in winning programs. Yeah, well, I think you, what, what you get is the benefit of, you know, you'll see scouts in the press box on Saturdays. And, you know, when you have a, a legitimate NFL prospect on your team, they're going to send more scouts. And then, you know, if you get to a program that's going to have, you know, potentially two or three first-round picks, then more scouts are going to get sent. And if you're on that team, you're going to be in front of scouts more. And that's that's the advantage or the opportunity that you get if you're, like, you know, a later-round pick or a fringe guy. Um, you know, some of these higher-ranking, I guess, for lack of a better term, scouts are going to see you play. I mean, they're there to see somebody else. But, you know, I heard uh, Daniel Jeremiah say this. Uh, they were talking about C.J. Stroud's performance against Georgia, and, and, and he was watching it like, who's that guy? And from a scout standpoint, he said, you know, once you put it on tape, it's there. They can't unsee it. And they feel like if you showed it once, you can do it. So, you know, you have a big-time performance at one of those games where they're maybe there to scout somebody else. It, it, it'll stick out. No question. No question about it. And it'll be fun to see how those uh, players like Robert Bill do at the Combine. And uh, we don't have NFL Network down here, Russ, so I can't watch. Is it on – are they putting that on yeah. NFL.com as well? Yeah, yeah. They've they've been they've had some coverage okay. there since but now that they're on the field, yeah, they've got the full setup there and they're going uh I think uh I mean not all day obviously, but from the morning up until they're finished with the on the field workouts, yep. I when I go to NFL.com I actually actually see a a uh a uh headline that was pretty funny that I saw about an hour ago where they were projecting the possible destination for Jalen Ramsey of the Rams, who is supposedly on the trade block, the Rams have to they have to trade a lot of players. I mean, there's even been talk that that Matthew Stafford could be traded, which I don't know if I buy that or not. But the Rams are in that salary cap hell that uh, you can get in pretty quickly after you build a team that has a chance to be a Super Bowl contender. And they mentioned Jacksonville as one of the spots. Now, Jan Ramsey's problem with Jacksonville was Tom Coughlin, who is no longer with the team, obviously. So wouldn't that be interesting if Jalen Ramsey, who is a great player. I mean, he, he's he's a headache now. you got some baggage to kind of deal with with Jalen Ramsey. But he's a great player. Wouldn't that be something if he came back to the uh, to the Jaguars? And he's one of those players. I mean, he's going to cost He's going to cost a lot. He, I would think he's going to cost a pretty good amount in a trade. He's going to cost a pretty good amount in money. And that's probably why he's available and and close to to needing a contract. But wouldn't that be something if Jalen Ramsey went back to the Jaguars? Which, I mean, they're they're looking for more defensive help. There's no question about that. But I I can't imagine that. And I did not see the Falcons on that list, which was kind of interesting. I wonder if um, if that's the case. Nolan Smith, a 41.5 inch vertical leap. So again, several of the. Uh, Georgia players getting some work in here at the combine and and uh, look Nolan Smith I I know obviously there was an injury there at the end of his season that cost him half of his season he's a tremendous athlete 
I don't think anybody's surprised that he did that in the vertical jump. He has always been looked at as a tremendous athlete. And there were times where he was kind of out of control. And remember, he was the number one edge rusher coming out of high school the year Georgia got him. I mean, number one. And I think, if I remember correctly, in one of the services, I believe he was the number one overall prospect. And, and look, he had a really good career. He, he would have had a better career if he had played more this final year here. But I, I think he is a player that could do some things at the Combine and really open some eyes. And it's that athleticism. You cannot get away from that athleticism. And uh, they just put the video up here of the, of the uh, vertical leap. And he's a great athlete. He's really, really good. And uh, I would not be surprised at all if he's a second-round pick. I know before that injury, Russ, he was talked about as a potential first-round pick. I don't know if that will still happen. I mean, there's been some projection of him maybe late first, kind of like Darnell. I think probably beginning of day two we could hear his name called, though. Yeah, that's usually, you know, the the – the second day is where you, you know, if somebody's been injured or maybe they're measured a little bit shorter or, or, or step slower, you usually see them go. And, and, and I think not just maybe if, if, if he does slip into the second round, it's also the type of player you could see a team trade up for to try to get. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. I think that's true. All right. Four, seven, eight, six, four, six, ESPN, six, four, six, three, seven, seven, six. You can throw someone under the sports bus if you want or talk with us about the NFL Combine. What player do you want to watch here as you see the NFL Combine unfold in Indianapolis? We'd love to hear from you. We'll take a break, come back, more sports talk, more of your phone calls on this Thursday right after this. Bill and Russ back on the radio. Thanks for being with us. Yankees relief pitcher Wandy Peralta just struck out a hitter, Russ, in 22 seconds. Wow. Jeez. That's impressive. 22 seconds. Does he get a speed bonus for that? (laughs) Don't tempt them. They might do that, hand out speed bonuses. Also, uh, Robert Beal just ran another 40-yard dash. This one, 4.53, which is a little bit better than the 4.55 that he ran earlier. And how about this? Nolan Smith. 40-yard dash, 4.4. Whew. Russ, that's going to get him some, some attention. Yeah, no, that's 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 wow. for somebody that size. I know, you know, this is one of those things where you, you were talking about the Georgia program in relation to the NFL, that where those relationships that they, the coaching staff has with NFL front offices is going to come in handy because – you know, what Nolan Smith is, is going to be drafted as is not what he did at Georgia. And some people may look at his stats and his production and say, well, you know, wh- why didn't he have more sacks? Well, it's the role he had in that defense. It's not his inability to get sacks. So, um, yeah, he's yeah they're, they're going to salivate over that 40 time. There's no doubt. He's a tremendous athlete, and now he's just running a 4-4. And I wonder if you can – do you have to run it second time? I guess you'd want to just to see if you could – go down from there but heck you'd almost think you'd say i'm done i'm good uh, if i ever ran a 4-4 i'd never run again like it's not going to yeah, get really. better than that <laughs> i know what i wonder what our 4-4 four, four, uh, 40 yard dash times would be I would, seriously I, what do you think i, I, I would I, I, 8.2 i was like going to say if i broke seven i'd be elated 
I don't I don't think I could run a four four in the twenty. <laughs> oh gosh. Four four. Pretty impressive. That's a one heck of an athlete right there. So obviously these Georgia kids are getting it done and we'll uh keep an eye on that and watch that. Again, Robert Bill improved a little bit. By the way, Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon cornerback that I know um Josh Kendall has mentioned several times, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Falcons. He uh, did talk about the Falcons and said that A.J. Terrell, he's a big fan of A.J. Terrell, and Drake London was a very tough receiver for him to to cover when London was at USC and, of course, Gonzalez was at at, uh, at Oregon. I mean, that's somebody to watch to, to say, well, do you go down that road, and especially with Isaiah Oliver, a free agent, you kind of wonder, um, you know, if do they, uh, again, another one of those questions, they feel cornerback, especially with Casey Hayward only getting six starts, they feel that other cornerback role with a free agent to complement H.H. Terrell or another young player. Yeah, I think, and again, you know, the free agency, I think, will, will tell us a lot about this, but that, I think corner and edge are the two in the first round where there's a, there's a lot of guys and you can get some real talent in both of those areas. And, you know, and the thing that sticks out to me about the corners in this group is that, you know, we know Keely Ringo has the size, but I did not realize Christian Gonzalez was six, two. Um, he's huge. Yeah. He's, he's got that size and speed too. And, uh, you know, as of right now, I, if that was the pick at eight, I'd be fine with that because it definitely it fills a need. There's no doubt they need help all, really all over that defense. And, and I feel like they're in a position where you get the right pick at eight if it's on the de- defensive side. And if, if you're able to sign three or four key free agents uh, and you hit on those moves, you, obviously pass rush would be – a huge emphasis, especially if you're drafting a corner. Uh, you know, I think you can turn this team into a, a, a playoff contender, which technically they already are, but that's just because they're in a bad division. But I mean like a 10-11 win team and, and possibly a team that could win a playoff game. I, I, I'm not going to – I don't think there's enough there to make the leap from 7-10 and 10 to Super Bowl contender, but I, I think you can substantially improve this team with that cap space. Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt is there for you that they're going to get a safety, right? Mm-hmm. They're, going, they're going to sign the safety. I mean, that you know they've been linked to Jesse Bates. They've been linked to several safeties. So I would be shocked if, if one of the first moves we see on March the 15th is not a safety because I think that's probably one of their priorities. Um, yeah, cornerback's going to be interesting. Casey Hayward had six starts last year and then was hurt, so he missed 11 games. He's a fine defensive player. If he's healthy, and that's the question. He's an older player, and while it's great to have a, a kid from Houston County uh, play at Perry, obviously he's going to be a part of that team. He's under contract for next year. You do wonder if they'll go for an upgrade and, and then what they could do with. And, you know, there's a lot of things that Nielsen guy we don't know yet, Russ. That's part of this too. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I would really be curious to hear – and, I, you know, this, obviously this would happen after the draft, but I want to hear what he thinks about Ibukidi and Malone, the two guys they drafted yeah. last year, to be edge rushers. Does he think, uh, for example, with Ibukidi, I mean, he was really – he's more of an outside guy in a 3-4 defense, but does he think he can put a hand in the ground in a four-man front and, and rush the passer? Because, you know, you, 
do you, in other words, do you already have you need? I've always said you need two, but do you already have one, or at least a candidate to be one? And, and I just can't wait to hear what Nielsen says about these guys because that's his mo. You know, he was brought here specifically because of his work with the defensive line in New Orleans. Everybody thought when Marlon Davidson got drafted from Auburn that that was an excellent pick. We had seen Marlon Davidson both in his Auburn games and then when they played Georgia as well, and it was. It was a name we knew and kind of someone who I think we had seen grow. And, you know, he, he never got on track there with the Falcons. And, you know, those draft picks, that defensive line uh, could be the one area, and I know that's crossed over two general managers, but still, what what are those players? What is Ibikiti? What is Malone? What, I mean, you know, they're, they're important pieces. you got to have at least one of those guys work out for you, right? That's kind of a – a troublesome spot if you if you can't and the free agents they're going to be able to go after i i haven't seen many cornerback free agents the safeties are there with bates and and the other kid um and of course the the um is it bradford from philadelphia mm-hmm. he's uh he's the other one but you know speaking of philadelphia i i, I can't stop thinking about javon hargrave russ i just i, I uh, Price is right for him. You gotta look at him, don't you? Oh, I don't. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any doubt. And I get a sense uh, because you know Terry Fontenot has said they're not gonna, you know, just because they have the the space, they're not gonna overdo it. But I think if you have the chance to go get somebody that's at kind of you know near the top in the game at a certain position, I think that's where you that's the type of player you would spend the money on. And you could bring him in, pair him with Grady Jarrett. You know, it's kind of like what we've talked about in the past with other defensive tackles. Uh, and, and that interior defensive line would be so good and so strong. I mean, people would say it's a little bit undersized, but, you know, I, I think Hargrove and Grady play a little bit above their weight. So I wouldn't be worried about that as much. Well, you have to answer the question the best you can of wondering exactly how much better Grady Jarrett would be if you had a true – compliment there i mean to Quan graham you know he got hurt last year russ and i don't know how much of an answer he was he, he's still even after a couple of years kind of in that same boat at bikiti and um even the kid from notre dame is in right i mean we just don't know what they are um and i can't imagine they're not being a real push to try to get someone who's better than those guys i mean they've been in the nfl they've done this they've done that have they been have they stuck enough, though, to make you feel crap about that spot? I don't know if they have or not, Russ. No, I I, I don't feel that way. I, I like Abdullah Anderson more than I like Taquan Graham in yeah. the middle. He, he came on strong in the end of the year. But, I mean, I would much rather them go find somebody to put in a defensive tackle to start alongside Grady. And it, and you can rotate Graham and Abdullah in, uh, you know, kind of take the college model. I, I've, I mean, I feel comfortable with those guys as sort of a second string, but – uh, no, I, I don't think Taquan Graham's shown us enough to say, yeah, he's he's a starter at defensive tackle. Mm-mm. No, and that was a you know pretty big pick, and and so uh, and they liked Malone a lot when they drafted him last year. So there's still a, several questions to wonder about when it comes to those those defensive players, and they're you know that that's that's the problem I have with giving up a lot of draft capital when it comes to a Lamar Jackson or something of that nature, or even moving up. That's the thing, you know. If they have to move up, let's say, just for scenario's sake, let's say that they 
they're going to get Jalen Jalen Carter no matter what. So it's like okay, to be damned with the this situation, we're going to get him. We're going to try to see if he'll be the guy. We want to put him next to Jalen, a great Jarrett. You know what do they give up, Russ? And and do they have enough? to be able to give up and not be able to get those players to fill those others. I mean, they need – and I did the depth chart last night, by the way, and shared it with Russ. Man, there's a lot of positions on that team they need to fix. Yeah. No, no, there, there, there's a lot of need here, and I think that's the question you have to ask. I mean, anytime you entertain any idea of a trade where you're giving up draft picks, you remember um, that is you know rookie contracts, and if you hit on the picks, that is um, – money you don't have to spend that you can spend elsewhere. And I yeah. think the, the question that they really have to ask themselves right now, in any whether it's a, a trade in the draft or Lamar Jack, a trade up in the draft or Lamar Jackson or anything, uh, what is in the best interest to try to jump ahead and skip a couple of steps or just to continue to build? And I think for this team, I, 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 mean, I just really think it's in their best interest to continue to build because if you get to this point next year – and you're convinced Desmond Ritter is not the guy, you're not hamstrung. But if you trade up for a guy or you trade for Lamar Jackson and you get to this time next year and it's like the Hawks and you're just like, well, this isn't working, then you kind of – you don't have to completely start over. But, you know, I just – I don't think it's time to try to make the jump just yet. I'd like to see at least one more year of building. Um, and, and I think they have the pieces in place now uh, – again, with the right free agents and the right picks in the draft to not just go to the playoffs, but maybe even win a playoff game. And I just think that would be the way to go right now is just continue. You know, they've done a good job the first two years building this roster without the ability to spend free agent money. Now you can dabble into free agency a little bit. So let's do that and and have the draft and then go from there. I, I want depth because they haven't had that in a while. I want a lot of depth. And I'll tell you, Russ, one of the things I was a little surprised at last night putting that chart together was the fact that four of their five offensive linemen played in all 17 games. Uh, only that guard spot, that, that left guard spot, Elijah Wilkerson started nine games. You had Matt Hennessy slid, slid over from center, started three. And then also you had uh, Colby Gossett started, started four. Chuma Adoga started one so that um, it winds up being 17. But Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, the right and right tackle and right guard for this team. Of course, uh, the center, as I said, uh, Drew Dolman started in 17 games, and then the revolving door at guard, and then Jake Matthews started all 17 games at right tackle, left tackle rather. So. Um, that was pretty good. That surprised me. But that, that may in itself explain the improvement in that offensive line. Russ, four to the five out there. Uh, it's like I say, the the one time in history, their offensive line, excuse me, the two times in history, the offensive line, all five of them started every game. Two years they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, that's that. Well, that's the a dirty little thing they don't like to talk about in NFL circles. The real key to going <laughs> to the Super Bowl is offensive line health. But um, you know, and, and, and to get back to the draft, that's why I like uh, the Skronsky player out of Northwestern, Peter Skronsky, because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at that depth chart, slide him in at left guard, or if they move on from Caleb McGarry, you know, you can go get a free agent guard, which is going to be cheaper than a free agent tackle, and Skronsky could play right tackle. And it just gives you some flexibility 
and fill, fill in that fifth and final spot with this uh, offensive line. And again, you know, with McGarry, you may have two holes to fill, but you draft a player that can play anywhere on the line of scrimmage. I mean, maybe, hey, maybe you want him at center and you kick Dalton yeah. back out to guard. I just, I like that versatility uh, along the offensive front with Skronsky if that's the way they go in the draft. I'm with you. I, I know you mentioned Christian Gonzalez, and he's a very good player for Oregon. I wouldn't be disappointed because I, I think you'd really have a very good secondary to pair him with A.J. Terrell. But, man, the more you read about Skronsky, the more tempted you are, if you're a Falcon fan, to almost pull from them to draft this guy because he's got some tools now. He They really like him. Or it is the Falcons really like him. So, yeah, that's going to be a big part of this to know if, you know, if, if, um, if that depth will allow you to go down that road because there's no doubt they're going to need another guard and really have uh, – um, I mean, I, I know the offensive line, and I read this about McGarry. I know our buddy Chris Hefner's told us about how good the offensive line was last year. And it was solid, no doubt. Lindstrom, one of the top guards in the in the country, uh, in the league, I should say. You know, McGarry had the improvement in the run game. Uh, Dahlman had a 65.9 pro football focus grade, which, you know, was pretty good. Uh, they had a revolving door at the guard spot, which we know they're going to probably take off, uh, care of this offseason. And then, and then Jake Matthews starting all 17 games. So four of your five started all 17 games. And to me, that's a bonus that you don't have that juggling in and out of that lineup. So now what? You know, can they get a guard? Can they do they sign another tackle, especially if Caleb McGarry were to get a big offer and leave? What happens then? Um, that's what's going to be fun to watch. I mean, it's the hot stove league literally for the National Football League, and it's a lot of fun to watch for, for certain. All right, 478-646-ESPN. You can throw someone under the bus. And we'll take a break and come back. More sports talk on this Thursday afternoon right after this. Welcome back. Dylan Russ here on the radio talking spokes. And uh, your phone calls if you'd like to join us, 478-646-3776. We are watching... The results from the NFL Combine right now, and well, where's the page? Maybe I just messed the page up. The uh, gum and I got to go find that now. Uh, all right, hold on. The um, crap. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I I did have the page up with all of this the numbers for the Combine, and of course. Nolan Smith had the best of any defensive lineman. The uh, kid from tech, uh, Texas, Tennessee, ran a very good 40-yard dash time as well. He's trying to bring that up. Let me see if I can bring that up here. And uh, up, up, up. Nope, can't find that. So, anyway, I don't know where it went on my screen, but um, – I was trying to find some of the other. Robert Beal had the third best time after after um, Nolan Smith. And so let me see if I have him. Nope, that's not it. Well, forgive me. I don't I don't have it in front of me. Russ, do you have, 
have the numbers in front of you by any chance, the 40-yard of the all the defensive linemen? I do not. Let me see if I can okay. find it real quick. Yeah, you may find it before I do because I cannot find it to save my life down. I just had it up on my screen 30 seconds before we went back on the air. But it had, it had the 40-yard dash times of all of the defensive linemen. And, again, Nolan Smith had the best at 4-4. So – uh, he was a dresser, of course. The kid from Tennessee was right behind him, and I wanted to see. He's a 4-5, another edge rusher. And he had a very good time, but I'm trying to find the information. The Saturday's going to be the real day as far as the one to kind of watch because that's going to be the quarterback, running backs, and receivers. That's a very – I think the secondary is tomorrow, isn't it, Russ? I had it out on my mm-hmm. list earlier yeah, this week. Yeah, I think week. that's I right. the secondary is tomorrow, so that will be something to watch. Yeah, Byron Young from Tennessee, 4-4-8. So, 4-4-8 is what um, uh, their 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 time was, which, I mean, that's going to – you know, you wouldn't think that, that there's a big deal about that kind of stuff, but, I mean, Russ, that <laughs> – when you when you have an athlete, for example, like Nolan Smith, who runs a four four and then has a forty one and a half vertical, I mean, teams are just going to salivate that, over that kind of athleticism. That's it. I mean, he that that's that that you you put up numbers like that. They, that I mean, they'll watch tape because they're going to do their due diligence, but they don't really even need to see it. Um, I mean, that's just you, you think about like the the amount of athletic ability somebody has i mean you you go to the combine and you put up numbers like that you're going to be a first round pick i mean that, yeah. I, I mean 41 inch vertical for somebody that size to be able to jump that high and run that fast it's just unimaginable but my goodness gracious that's i mean if i know that he had kind of since the injury he had kind of slipped i mean i wouldn't be surprised and you know obviously the mocks next week are, are my favorites because they're the ones after the combine. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sliding back up into the top ten because remember, it's it's all about who's throwing the ball, who's protecting the guy throwing the ball, and who's tackling the guy throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the the numbers in college don't show a lot of production, but again, that's not what he was asked to do in Georgia's defense. They're gonna, I, I think, scouts are gonna salivate over what he's done today. I think he just made himself some money. Yeah, and that's what can happen. I mean, there there can be players who can literally make themselves a fortune on a uh, on a on a combine day and you know then you go to the pro days I mean those little turn around and, and go to a pro pro day Russ I mean that that can help them a great deal as well they can they can get an advantage of that in that regard also and so you have to think about that and you know the the comfort of their own stadium or their own home field and around their own people I think you know quarterbacks especially you got to think about that for quarterbacks I'm sure Stetson will be throwing at his pro day at the University of Georgia with his receivers, and and that's going to be an opportunity for him to really show off his arm because he's got the ability to to do that. And and, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of fun things to kind of watch out for in the next couple of days that can can, uh, can show show off this – this uh um th- these players and their talents you know and and you want to see them kind of at their best and at their worst and kind of what's in between what you can project you know these drafts you go back and look at these first rounds even the last couple of years man people swing and miss so much in the first round good grief i mean it's just kind of alarming of of how many times 
uh, a team can not only pass on someone else, but simply this the guy they t- take. It's like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> That's why it's just such a important part of the whole process um, uh, to go through this combine and to go through the interviews and to go through go through. Do they do the interviews on the same day as these workouts? Like, have they probably been doing these? interviews earlier today or do you think yes yeah, yeah the interviews would have been um uh, tuesday is really when the poking the prodding and the interviews and all that stuff started okay. so the the on, now they're kind of transitioning to the on-field part of it okay okay yeah and we just don't have nfl network here in waycross so um for some reason they don't they don't have it they have mlb network nba today but they do not have uh the nfl network so i'm just gonna have to watch a little bit on Online. Let's grab a quick phone call here. John is in Warner Robins and joins us. Hey. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. What's for you? So, uh, in in lieu of Ian Harrison absolutely getting his tits ripped yesterday, um, pose a hypothetical question for you. Uh, I'm not sure what his option structure is looking like, if, if he's got options for Gwinnett. I know he's going to be a, a USA next year. He's not owed, a, obviously, a ton of money this season. If you don't see it panning out through spring, um, what are his options? You think uh, you know Alex is going to be inclined just to outright him, release him, or DFA him? Or, you know, uh, and what would be the solution to you know to, to fill his void? And I haven't heard much on Wynoa. What is your what are you hearing on him? Well, Wynoa's recovering from Tommy John, so he's out. He's gone. He's he's a goner for this year. Um, now, were you, who were you talking about, Ian? Yeah. Well. Look, um, I'm trying not to panic too much over over one one performance, and and here's why: Ian Anderson has a new pitch. He has a little tweak in his delivery, and so I, I probably could have told you that that was not going to be the best first appearance of the year for him when he came out there the other day. Um, obviously, even to hear him say, "Look, I was I was not very good," uh, and I've in a position now where I'm battling for a spot, I've got to be good. You know, um, yeah, I think he's got options left, John, and I think they would just – if he doesn't win the job, I think they would just send him down to AAA and let him be down there, which is, is a shame. But, look, Bryce Elder, and I think that's the main competition for Ian Anderson would be Bryce Elder. He pitches tomorrow. We'll see how he does. But Ian better be careful because Bryce looked like he could hold his on last year – when he had some very big performances, albeit against not very good teams, John, but still, uh, he was impressive. Yeah, and, and, and Bill, what, what, what got me concerned about Ian, it, it almost seemed like it was a con- like his, in his post game. I think the, the what he said was everything I worked hard for this off season. You know, it, it, you know, he was kind of disappointed. I'm like, it, it seemed like it's a confidence issue. I don't know, but you know that that's what really has me concerned about Ian was his com- comments alone. After his start, it just seems like it's you know not there mentally for whatever the case is. But I mean, it's not like anybody's rooting against the kid. You know, we want him, he's got potential. He's got the he's got right. the. It's just it's it's kind of you know. Well, at what point does Alex wash his hands of this kid? Especially considering next year that he's a UFA. So you know, how short is the rope? Is my overall question. Well, I I, I don't I don't think there's going to be. I mean, he he's got a few years left. You know, before free agency, he he'll be a arbitration guy next year. But but look, um, as long as you have the options behind him to go out there and to have someone else 
be that fifth starter, I don't think Alex is going to worry too much. And, again, I, I, John, I'm telling you, this Dodd kid, Dylan Dodd, might have a shot. If that door is open up, and let, let, let's say that in two weeks, two weeks is the 16th, so we're, we're about at four weeks from spring training being over. So in two weeks from today, we'll be about halfway through the month of March and halfway through spring training. If in two weeks, which will be after at least, what, two more appearances uh, for Ian Anderson, there's no improvement. And Bryce is doing well, or Dylan's doing well, Dylan Dodd. I think we'll see the shift where people will start talking about them as the fifth starter compared to Ian. Um, They're not going to give it to Ian. As long as they have competition for that position, they are not going to hand that job to him. And, and again, I think that if they did not have Bryce Elder and Dodd and even Michael Soroka thinking he's going to come back at some point, I mean, John, we've not had to see him go get someone at spring training during spring training, but I think if Alex had to, he would. Uh, so we've got to hope that those other kids, Dodd and Elder, do have good springs, do show something. Elder's performance tomorrow will be one to watch. And uh, But I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'd love for Ian Anderson to bounce back. I don't care. It, it, because now it's, I'll say this, and this kind of goes to your question a little bit. For me personally, John, if Ian can't win the job, he's trade bait for me. Yeah, I'll I'm trading him. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, yeah, and that was going to be my next point, too, is, you know, dangle him out and see what you can get for him at this point. Because, I mean, he's yeah. got potential. I think he can draw something. And real quick, Bill, before I go, one of the things to watch out for is interesting, too, is Kevin Pillar is smashing the ball. Yeah. So if, if he keeps this going, it's going to be a huge shakeup with that fourth outfield position. Uh, obviously a bad bench. So that's going to be very interesting to see coming out of spring training. And I appreciate yeah. it, brother. Okay, thank you. Now, I, I love the signing of, of Kevin Pillar. I think that, look, uh, for the potential of a fourth outfielder, bat off the bench, he's great. He's got great defensive skills. It, let's say Rosario wins the left field job. Okay. Well, we can put Pilar in there late in the game and, and see how he can do. Defensively, he's a huge upgrade over over Rosario and Azuna. I mean, this guy's really, really good. If Pilar was out there with Harris and Acuna, that'd be one hell of an outfield defensively. But look, if, if Rosario struggles in spring training and if Azuna doesn't get on, on track here, Pilar may be an option for him. I mean, this is a guy that Alex Antopoulos knows from his days in Toronto. He had shoulder surgery last year. He's supposedly in good health. He is hitting the ball very well so far. Snit's giving him a shot. So could he get 400 at-bats this year? Yeah, he might. And I, that's a good piece to have, you know. Look, Rosario and Nazuna, nothing's going to be handed to them. they got to compete. And if not, somebody like Pilar could be right there to take over. I like these spring training conversations for sure. You are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.